This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today we're visiting with Vic Barnes. Among other things, Vic is the president of the board of the Wet Mountain Valley Community Foundation. He's vice president and board member on High Mountain Hay Fever Bluegrass. He's the chairman of the Custer County Planning Commission. And he's also treasurer and board member of the historic Willow School Society. But today, we're talking about something completely different. Vic, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm pleasure to be here. As many of you know, uh, Vic was involved with wildlife biology in his career, especially the brown bear, the grizzly bear. And I thought that would be an interesting topic. So, uh, Vic, thanks for stopping by. Now, how did that job come about? This sounds like a dream job to many people out there, I would think. Uh, No question. It is a dream job. And I would like to say that I I orchestrated it, but I didn't. I I was just able to take advantage of an opportunity. I was in the research division of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and Fish and Wildlife Service decided to start a research project on brown bears in Kodiak, Alaska, and I had some previous bear experience, some graduate work that I did, and so they offered the position to me, and I was very thrilled to take it. Uh, So, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you went to CSU and had uh, several degrees in wildlife management. I got a bachelor's of science degree at CSU, and then that worked right into a a master's program in in wildlife biology also at Colorado State University. Now for your master's you were studying the black bear, is that correct? I was I was studying black bears in Yellowstone National Park, correct. Okay. And the brown bears get down into Yellowstone these days, is that is that correct? Well they were actually there when I did this work and it was quite a while ago, it was in the early nineteen sixties and at that time, there were grizzly bears in Yellowstone, but they were at a low, a low level. They're certainly doing much better now, but there was probably only 250 or 300 in that Yellowstone ecosystem when I was doing the work. But we, we dealt with grizzlies uh, periodically when we were working with black bears. Now, when you were up in Alaska, what sort of work did you do, sort of on a daily or weekly basis? One of the first tasks that... They wanted me to do when I moved to uh, Kodiak was take a look at aerial stream surveys of bears that were concentrated along the the salmon streams, and they had been doing these aerial stream surveys for years and years because it's an easy way to count bears, but they didn't know how it related to population levels, and so uh, one of the first things we did was we marked a, a number of animals and uh, radio collared a number of animals, and we were trying to see how they related to the population in a certain area of Kodiak. And in Alaska, it was mainly Kodiak th- that you were working uh, in? Well, my, my job, yes, was, was to conduct studies on, on brown bears on Kodiak, but because you're there and because you have work experience, I had the opportunity to work on on bears elsewhere. I worked on grizzlies a little bit in Denali National Park and up in the Dillingham area and then I also had the opportunity to work on polar bears mm-hmm. over several seasons. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about uh, mainly the North American brown bear, uh, sometimes called the grizzly bear. What's the proper term? The brown bear and the grizzly are basically the same animal. Mm-hmm. 
the grizzly is is the animal that's uh, in the interior of, of Alaska and also in the lower 48 in Glacier and Yellowstone National Park and and then the brown bear is the grizzly that lives along the coastal coastal regions mm -hmm. and because it has access to better resources uh, salmon and berries they grow larger but mm. they're the same animal and then the only difference is with Kodiak is because Kodiak is an isolated population it's a different subspecies mm -hmm. because over the years they've basically developed a, a little bit of difference in the in the, the skull uh, of the bear and that's why so many large brown bears come or in the in the trophy records come from Kodiak because they have bigger denser skulls hmm. having seen amount of uh, some of the large brown bears they're absolutely huge uh, I'm very large you have at your place a cast of a paw that's the size of a catcher's mitt to me do you have any idea of the number of brown bear in Alaska the estimate right now is right around 30 to 35,000 brown and grizzlies in Alaska. And how does that compare to, say, 15, 20 years ago? If anything, it might be a little bit, little bit uh, larger, but it's basically, I, I think if, if I had to take a guess, I would say it's been stable. Thinking about bears in general, uh, hibernation is, is part of their life cycle that's pretty unusual for other animals. The bears are omnivores. Is right, that's right. They'll, they'll eat salmon and meat and berries and that sort of thing. And vegetation too. So do they? They must pack it on right before hibernation. They do. When, uh, of course, when they come out of their dens, and we call it winter denning. We don't call it hibernation okay. because a lot of people do, but they don't hibernate the way ground squirrels and some other animals do, where they're basically very inactive. Their respiration, body temperature goes down a little bit. I've seen them out in the middle of winter time. I've seen them when we were flying by, come out being selling themselves on the porch of the den. So they're still, they can be fairly active. Hmm. They do. They, they put on a tremendous amount of weight. They Usually 25 to 30% in the fall is, is fat because this is their strategy of being able to survive the winter time when there's no food available. And so they'll put up to, uh, sometimes when there's a lot of berries and salmon, they'll put two to three pounds a day on, mm -hmm. on, on their body. So it's a, they call it hyperphagia, and it's a pretty active feeding program. <laughs> Imagine you don't want to get in the way of something. No, like you that. don't want to interrupt them. <laughs> now, bears play likely an important role in an ecosystem. The grizzly or the brown bear would be sort of a keystone predator they are yeah they're they're a keystone predator and they do they're they're an important part of the ecosystem they in some areas for example they spread nutrients because they'll they'll feed mm -hmm. on the streams and then they'll go and they'll bed and defecate and depending on where they are in, in brushy areas or timbered areas and so they're part of the the ecosystem web in in, in alaska and in kodiak for sure mm -hmm. I know there's been a number of studies where the large predators, uh, things like bears and wolves, if they're taken out of the ecosystem, the ripple effect is amazing. It is amazing, yeah. And, and it's interesting you bring that up because there's a program going on now in Alaska where uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen on Kodiak, but in the interior of Alaska, there's, there's a program to reduce 
or to increase the kill of grizzly bears because people are concerned about them preying on moose and caribou mm. and affecting that important food supply for for people and it's, it's fairly controversial it doesn't happen it's not a, a program that's in effect in kodiak because kodiak has such value as a hunting species as a trophy species so it doesn't happen there but it's it's controversial elsewhere in alaska mm-hmm. so when you were in school working on your master's you did research on black bears you obviously you were knowledgeable when you got to alaska looking at the brown bears what what sort of surprises were there well they're first of all they're large (laughs) (laughs) they're extremely large they concentrate in large numbers for salmon feeding on salmon and they travel much larger distances and so they're, they're an entirely different species. They're, they're very dominant. Black bear is, is basically, and when I worked on them in, in uh, Yellowstone Park, the black bears avoided grizzlies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, there's no, there's no black bear on Kodiak, but they're, they are the, at the very top of the, of the chain as far as predators mm-hmm. in Kodiak. And we, we've mentioned they're huge, they're powerful. Uh, you were working closely with them. Did you have any close calls? I mean, over the years, you must have had some. Well, there's a lot of adrenaline rushes. There's no question <laughs> about it. And uh, some exciting times. But I think sometimes people think it's more dangerous working on them than it really is. Because, first of all, we're, we're prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And so there, we, get a, we had a few surprises where bears would get up on us when we were working on them. And, and uh, we've had trouble sometimes with females and the cubs but we never had to shoot one we Mm -hmm. never had any close encounters like that so so uh, it was always exciting but but i wouldn't think it was as as dangerous as a lot of people think Mm -hmm. i would guess though that uh, you were out in the wilds much of the time and alaska is a frontier and it it can be a dangerous place did you have any tight spots in that you know, you're probably dealing with small planes and uh, getting dropped off here and th- those sorts of things. Yeah, it is, and and probably of the of the dangerous situations involved in the research we we're doing, working with the drugs was probably the most dangerous because they were extremely powerful drugs. So you had to really pay attention to what you're doing. Flying in helicopters and small planes was dangerous because the weather conditions were always almost always marginal and and so you we've had a we had some some emergency landings a few times and times where you were fairly concerned about not being able to get back because of the the weather would come down on you and then it's it's just a a very wilderness environment so you always had to be be cautious Mm -hmm. now you uh have occasion to go back at least once a year to alaska and kind of reconnect with the bears is that true well that's true i in, in a couple of different aspects there's a, a 501c3 a bear trust that was formed about the time i went up there in fact it was somewhat linked to myself going up there and starting and it's called the kodiak brown bear trust and now i'm a i'm the project manager for the, the kodiak brown bear trust and so i manage my job is is manager of the, of the that trust and so I handle correspondence, and I go up, and we have a meeting, annual meeting every year in Kodiak. So that's, that's one way I keep in track of the bears up there. The other is that for the past four years, 
I have worked for a native corporation guiding bear viewers so they can photograph and view bears. So I do have opportunities and to be able to, to keep in touch with the bears, and that makes it really good. I enjoy that. I'm sure that's fun to get back. Uh, ecotourism has become popular. You just tangentially mentioned it. Uh, if someone wanted to view bears in the wild, could they do that? There's certain places they might go to uh, make that happen? Yeah, the, some people can go and, and, for example, if you want to go to Denali, uh, you can be take the bus tour, you can be dropped off, and you can do your own viewing. Most ecotourism, bear viewing, is done through concessionaires, and uh, there's a number of really good bear viewing programs where you go and you have guys that take you out and they, they help you, tell you how to behave, and also it, there's a security measure there. But that's, it's interesting you bring that up because a lot of my early work in Kodiak was working on population studies mm -hmm. of bears, how many bears there are, how dense they are in different portions. But later on, starting about the 1990s, eco tourism was really starting to build up and now it's a big thing in Kodiak and, and so we did a number of studies evaluating bear viewing programs. So if that's on anyone's bucket list that's a that's a doable thing up there in Alaska. It's a very doable thing and very very enjoyable. The people that we we take out they're almost always thrilled. It's it's a it's a great way to learn about bears. Thinking about the two bears we've been talking about the the brown bear Ursus arctos and then uh, Ursus americanus, americanus, which is the black bear. Uh, sorry, this is the paleontology in me. But those two came from a common ancestor about five million years ago, uh, according to what I've I've read. So Correct. they're, as you mentioned earlier, they're pretty different. What should people know about the local black bears that we we see in the neighborhoods here? They're a very valuable part of the community here, as as well as a, in the same fashion that. Brown bears are up in, in uh, Alaska, but they're they're entirely different. You know, they they're primarily a forest animal, and they they climb trees, and and they um, they can be they can be a problem if uh, people allow them to be a problem. And and most of the time, they're perceived they're perceived as more of a problem than they really are. And when they do get in trouble, it's because of poor behavior on the part of people <laughs> rather than bears. But they're extremely intelligent. And as you mentioned before, they, they have to put on a lot of food. So anytime they, they see a potential food source, they'll go after it. And if they're rewarded, then they'll keep coming back. And that's, that's when they get in the problem. But mm -hmm. as far as walking around and hiking in, in the country around here, and uh, they don't represent much of a threat at all. And they're, they're really they're fun to, to watch and see. So basically, uh, enjoy our local uh, black bears, but uh, give them give them a wide berth. <laughs> give them a wide berth, and don't don't do anything that's going to entice them to come in. Uh, it, a lot of times, you see people where a bear will come in and maybe pick up some scraps of at a picnic, and mm -hmm. people think, "Boy, that's kind of needed," and they watch them from a distance. But the bears are like young kids; they 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 try to get away with what they can, and so they'll come progressively closer, get more closer to the people, and then, then they go from just being a novelty into a, an, into a problem. So you have to be aware that don't let them, don't give them an in mm -hmm. into getting food from you. Well, good. Uh, Vic, thanks for stopping by. We're running short of time, but I know folks out there in Radio Land are interested in the uh, wildlife around here and uh, farther afield. The bears, I, obviously I like bears, and I like them because they're, they're kind of like us. They're individuals, they're extremely intelligent, and they're just 
fun to watch and observe. Great. We've been visiting with Vic Barnes on his past life dealing with the uh, North American brown bear. We'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 